Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Illegal Pete's. I'm Henry Chisholm. Illegal Pete's is Denver's home for the best tacos, burritos, uh, nachos, pretty much everything else that falls into that category. Uh, They're offering the DNVR family an incredible deal. If you're heading to any game or any event, you can stop by Illegal Pete's before or after you go on the same day of your event. And if you show them your ticket, you can get a free draft beer or a free margarita with the purchase of a full-sized entree. Illegal Pete's has nine locations in Colorado. Six are in Denver, two are in Boulder, one is in Fort Collins. So make sure that you swing by for delicious grub before or after any game or any event. You can grab your free beer or margarita with a purchase of a full-sized entree. Let's jump into the show. Okay, Um, we got into a little bit of talk about the Washington game on yesterday's show. Um, Not a lot, though. I want to dig a little bit deeper into that. Um, I ran through what's kind of going on around the conference, which is the other important piece. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of what we're looking at for today. want to talk more about Washington. I was up in Boulder. uh, had a chance to talk with Dallas Walton, who I had never met before. I'd never met Dallas. Um, He's a fun guy. I like him. I had a lot to say about his recovery. Um, He said that he can feel when it's cold out by his knee. Um which is like a sixth sense type thing. I don't know. Uh, But we'll dig into that later in the show, uh, get into some questions, and then that's kind of the plan for today. Um, So, starting with Washington. Um, Again, there were some notes I had yesterday, but they're a little bit scattered because of everything that's going on um, with Kobe. Um, Actually, that's a good place to start. Things are more normal up in Boulder um, than they had been the last couple of days. Um, that was the sense that I got. That's also what head coach Tad Boyle said he saw. Um, he thinks at this point the guys have kind of accepted it a little bit more, um, whereas the first day or two, um, he, Tad himself said that he was pretty much just in shock uh, he couldn't believe it, didn't feel real, and now it's kind of started to sink in. Um, he did say that it was kind of a rough practice. It wasn't the type of practice that he was looking for. He was disappointed. Uh, that's a problem. Uh, we've we've heard consistently, whether it's this Buffs basketball team, the Buffs football team, really any team, if you don't practice well going into a game, you don't play well. Um, 
So that's a bad sign for sure. Uh, he did say that yesterday's practice was great. So Monday good, Tuesday bad. Uh, tomorrow on Wednesday, um, he's going to or the team will have a, a practice, but then there's no media availability. Um, there's going straight from practice to the airport, and then they'll be in LA for a few days. Which, what a weird place to be right now. What a weird place to be right now. Um, yeah, Thursday night play UCLA. Saturday they play uh, USC. Couple of big games. Uh, UCLA. Tad was very clear that they aren't looking past that game. Um, he's really wanted to make that point. Even even yesterday on Monday after practice, uh, Chase asked him. So you have the game against USC coming up. Uh, I can't remember what exactly the specific question was, but it was something about that game. And Tad said, "What game about what game against USC? I can't think of a game against USC." And laughed, and everybody laughed, and you know that's that's like the the coach joke. We're focused on one game at a time. Uh, that's UCLA. Even if the team isn't totally put together in um, new head coach Mick Cronin's first year, you know they have talent. You never know when one of their guys is going to go off. Um, but, again, this isn't the type of team that you look at and say, huh, they should be beating Colorado. Um, having the game in L.A. makes it tougher. The emotions. Nobody, this is another weird storyline, is I, I heard, uh, well, first of all, somebody asked Tad, what do you expect from this game? You know, it's it's one of the first basketball games that will be played in L.A. after Kobe's death, which... Uh, Pat Rooney from the Daily Camera like did did the work and realized, and I think he might have a story up, or it's coming. I don't know, but uh, he said there's there's like a Lakers game Saturday night. There's maybe maybe a USC game Saturday night or, or Thursday night. Both those were Thursday night. Um, and there's this UCLA game Thursday night, which is starting just a little bit after the other two, but it really will be the first night. Um, of basketball in LA following Kobe's death. So so that will throw something into the mix, but nobody really knows what. Um, Tad said he doesn't know what to expect, um, just that the team needs to be ready. They need to go in there. A um, lot of guys from LA on that UCLA team, that USC team as well. Yesterday, Tad said... Uh, it's, it's almost like you go out to the park and UCLA just gets first pick of everybody because cause they all grew up wanting to go play for UCLA. Uh, so, so there will be some emotions. The fans, obviously, the players, the coaches. Um, it's going to be something, but nobody knows. Evan Batty said the same thing. He was busy today. Uh, I was hanging out just doing some work after I finished uh, my interviews and I, I just like listened in. Um, Eric Christensen from CBS Four was up there, uh, and he was like on camera. Evan was on camera with him talking about um, most mostly Kobe. Um, he also had to talk with uh, maybe like the Buffs, uh, 
like TV program, like the CU's TV program, a couple of students there um, about the same stuff. Then he had a radio thing to do. So Evan was really busy, as you'd expect him to be, being from L.A., um, being so well-spoken. Um, and again, he said that things were really tough for him, um, slowly getting better, but he doesn't know what to expect either, even though he does know that he's going to be going through all these emotions. All these guys on these UCLA team, who a lot of them are from LA, are going through all those emotions. So that is an important storyline. And, you know, it's so weird. There, there, there are so many things that go on with Kobe's death, and it's, it's really sad and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, his life, thinking about his life, that's what's important. But to see all of the things that come from this, all these little storylines that come off of it, it's it's just a massive, massive thing that's happening. And, and you see the repercussions all over. Um, and in terms of the buffs, you, you primarily see them in these basketball games that are coming this weekend. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk more tomorrow about this UCLA matchup, but the, the main takeaway is that Colorado is better than UCLA at basketball. Um, they should win this game. UCLA has the advantage of being the home team, even though Colorado has shot pretty well in Poly Pavilion the last couple times out. Um, but then also there's Kobe's death hanging over the whole thing, and that will have an impact, but I have no idea, and nobody in Boulder seems to really have any idea what that impact will be. Um, yeah, somehow we got back onto Kobe. Who would have seen that coming? Uh, where were we? What were we talking about? We are talking about the UCLA games. Wow. I have no idea how we got here. So let's jump back into some notes from that Washington game. Um, the buffs really showed up is where you start. Uh, again, I can't really remember all the points I made. Um, so we're going to jump in. Colorado's defense looked stellar. And I'm, the, the story of that game really was like, can Colorado beat Washington's zone defense? That's what we were all talking about going into it. Um, turns out, yes. What I think might be more interesting is the discussion of whether the Buffs' defense or Washington's defense is the better defense. And they're very different, and it's hard to compare. And, you know, having a good offense helps and not turning the ball over and giving up transition points. So so you can't just go by the stats and say, wow, look, here it is. There's the answer. Um, but seeing those two defenses next to each other, uh, just going back and forth and back and forth, Colorado's did look much, much better. And that's not a surprise. They were up 15 in the first half. But that just goes to show how talented this Buffs team is because they don't have that they aren't playing a zone scheme that's really intricate and 
has all those little tweaks that Washington throws at him. And Washington, I mean, they have the players, the, the length at every position that just makes things difficult. They're they're able to really extend out on the wings because they, they have a guy like Isaiah Stewart and, uh, oh, their other center whose name I'm blanking on right now, but a, a legitimate seven-footer who they rotate with him. And both those guys do a great job holding down the paint. And, and when you have that, it, it lets the other four guys on the court extend out a little bit more, um, take some more risks, try to make some plays. So I, I, I don't want to say that their defense is all scheme because they have the dudes to pull that scheme off, and a lot of teams don't. Um, but it really is a mix of both of those two things that works almost perfectly uh, the downside being that they don't have a guy like McKinley Wright who can run an offense um, and if they did then they would lose a little bit of that length up top and you know even though McKinley Wright is a great defender most of what he does is play on ball defense take out the op- opponent's point guard and he's great at that when you ask him to run around fit into the gaps you know he has the senses to do that but he just doesn't have that same sort of length. Um, and that's what makes him a perfect fit for the Buffs defense and a less than perfect fit for the Washington defense, although it's not like he'd be holding them back. And that's the point I want to say. And if you do have one of those true point guard types, that will hold that sort of defense back. And if you don't, then that holds your offense back. And that's kind of the catch-22 that Washington seems to be stuck in right now. Um, speaking purely of the defenses, though... Colorado's look so much better. You know, they were able to just man up on everybody and be successful. That's just being dominant. Um, that's, and it, it again, reminds me of like the Broncos Super Bowl defense um, a few years ago when they had five guys who were strong in man coverage and you could say, okay, a keep to leave, lock up the number one, uh, Chris Harris, lock up the number two. Bradley Roby, lock up the number three. The safeties can cover the running backs and tight ends. Everybody else go get the quarterback. And that was basically what that scheme was. It wasn't the most intricate. It isn't like uh, Mel Tucker's defense where there are all these little tweaks and all these little guys need to do all these different things. It was very vanilla. Um, but when you have guys who are that good, it totally works. You can just say, your five skill position guys on our five guys, our guys are going to win every single time. They're never going to get burnt um, because that's the downside. You don't have a safety back there to help. They will never give up that big play. Um, And that's not only because we can lock them down, but because we get to the quarterback so quick when we send those six guys. That's kind of what Colorado does defensively, is just say, McKinley, take the point guard. Uh, Eli Parquet, Shane Gatling, take their two. Uh, Deshaun Schwartz, take their three. Uh, Tyler Bay, take their four. Evan Batty, take their five. And then it just works. And a lot of the time, they don't need to make things any more complicated than exactly that. Like, sometimes a guy gets beat, and you need to help, and you need to rotate, and all that kind of stuff, because that's how defenses work. But... This isn't one of those complex schemes where it, it's not like a coach just feeling 
I don't know. Like he needs to show off. Like he needs to be the coach. Like look at the genius that Jim Bayheim is at Syracuse because of the zone defense that he has perfected and is coached for so long. And it's, you know, the perfect zone defense, all that kind of stuff. And that's really valuable to have. And I don't want to take anything away from him, from him, of course, obviously, but what he does is compensate for the weaknesses of his players um, and and put put even good players in good situations in that defensive scheme. Like, it's legendary, all that kind of stuff. I don't need to explain that to you. But what Tad Boyle does is say, hey, I have five guys who can guard, so I'm going to let my five guys just go guard, and we don't need to have or worry about our rebounding numbers by playing some complex zone defense or worry about all that other sort of stuff we can just go out there and say our five your five we can shut you down and that's what was so apparent is that Colorado had to work to get shots against Washington but they worked to get those shots and it worked and they got mostly whatever shots they wanted um they beat it they they just straight up beat it in a way that Washington had zero chance of beating. The only thing they could do is get it into their big guys in the paint and see if they could bully the Buffs' big guys. And they did at points, but not nearly consistently enough to go win that basketball game. Um, they, they, they had those guards who chuck up a bunch of threes, and I love them, and I love their games. Um, and they pull defenses out and try to get past them. But their numbers were bad because the Buffs won those matchups. I, I think that, that that game, that Washington-Colorado game, what I'm taking away from it is we were so scared of that Washington defense and to see what that defense did right up against the Colorado defense, it's it just goes to show how great this Colorado defense is. Um, and, and we've kind of known that, but this is one of those games for me where it jumped out at me and I said, Oh, look at that. This is something special. Um, that's probably a good place to stop, uh, and, and talk just for a second about Breckenridge Brewery. In case you haven't heard, um, the special announcement we've been waiting for came out today. So essentially it's this, there's this new beer called the mile high city beer uh which i haven't tried i know like rk's tried it a bunch of the nuggets guys were in there and tried it today we have a bunch of the office so i'll be in there tomorrow Ooh, i need to plug that too um i'll be in there tomorrow and i'll have a couple or a few um i was eric keeps saying that it's really drinkable so we'll see but essentially breckenridge brewery worked with the denver nuggets to create a beer the mile high city beer and they just released it. It's a full-flavored copper lager. It's brilliantly bright, I've been told. Um, so they're launching it on Thursday, and it's going to be available January through April is when it will end. It's just like a short whatever. Um, so you can get that at Pepsi Center, or you can get it at grocery stores and all that kind of stuff. Or the, the day it debuts, Thursday, um, 
we partnered with Breckenridge and the Nuggets to have a watch party for the Nuggets game Thursday night um, at Stoney's Uptown so you guys can try it, and it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Um, going to watch the Nuggets, going to try this beer, going to do all the cool things we always do. I'm actually not sure if we're giving you guys any of these beers for free. I hope we are. It's making more fun. And and like I said yesterday, there is a Buffs game. That's when the UCLA game is. I haven't looked at the times, but I th- I think that's the 9 o'clock start for Colorado. And it's probably a 7 o'clock start for uh, the Nuggets. So my plan is to head over there at like 5.30 when the watch party starts, hang out, have some beers, eat some food, um, watch the game, and then also watch the Buffs game there. Um, and it should be kind of a great night. <laughs> um, that's the plan, at least. Uh, so hopefully I'll see some of you guys there. We'll have like the whole crew, as always. Um, there, there's more information on our website, the Breckenridge website, wherever you want to find it. Uh, just going to be a great time. should also say that tomorrow, Wednesday... Um, we're doing our first ever Goaties award, sh- award show. Essentially, uh, all of us at DMVR are voting on awards. You guys in the polls that you can find on our Twitter account are also voting. And there's awards like Best Athlete, Best Dressed, um, like 10 or 12 different awards for Denver sports figures. Uh, so we're going to have our live show where we announce all those, talk through all those, starting at 6.30 on Wednesday. Uh, you can tune in on Periscope, like on Twitter, and hang out with all of us. And I, like The whole crew is going to be there. There's going to be like 15 of us just rotating in and out, talking about all that stuff, talking about all sorts of other stuff. It's going to be a blast. Um, and we're going to be eating Bojo's Pizza. I have been told and that I haven't I, I, I say that and then I realize nobody said that for a while so I hope that's still the case because I am going there with an empty stomach excited to try Bojo's pizza. Um, it's the only place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's your favorite locally owned, legendary, unbelievably delicious. Uh, guess what? They're giving the DNVR family a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. That's right. The only place you can find a true Colorado mountain mouth-watering pie is Bojo's. They're hooking you up with a free honey cheese bread. The Colorado mountain pie has become a staple for not only natives, but for those who are just passing through and want to know where the best pizza in town is. Bojo's is the only answer. Bojo's dough is made fresh daily, and it contains locally sourced honey. You heard that right. They infuse their dough with natural sweetener, and it is to die for. There's something for everyone at Bojo's. Large, delicious mountain pies for the entire family. A huge salad bar with fresh veggies galore. Colorado beer on tap, including our personal favorite, Breck Brews, and your favorite sports teams playing in the background. Bojo's has private party rooms for all your get-togethers, including birthday parties and large business events. They have $4 happy hours in select locations, along with gluten-free and plant-based options. So head to the nearest location, grab an entree, and your free honey cheese bread when you mention DNVR. Check out their site today at bojos.com. That's B-E-A-U-J-O-S.com. And tell them who sent you. Okay. Um, There's a bunch of things we got to get to today. Um, I'm not really sure how long any of them are going to take because I have a lot of thoughts on all of them. Um, 
And there's one thing in particular that I really want to talk about because we haven't been spending nearly enough time on this women's basketball team. And I don't think this is going to take this whole segment, but they are playing incredibly well. Incredibly well. I really can't stress that enough. If you haven't been watching, you have been missing out. Seriously, this team has become a blast to watch. You know, we we were talking about how eh, you know they they're probably they're they're a really good Division One basketball team, but for a Pac-12 team, they're like eh, eh, they're still young. Maybe in a couple years they can compete. Well, uh, we are competing right now, and you guys should all be watching. Uh, where to even start? So the last time we really talked about them was after that UCLA game, maybe? No, I do think we touched base since then. Um, but if you don't remember that UCLA game, Colorado's down 19 points. or Yeah, 19. No, six points at half. They're down six points at half at the event center up in Boulder. UCLA is ranked eighth in the country at the time. Um, then UCLA opens the second half with a 19-point run. That's a lot of points in a row uh, that got the lead up to 25. Colorado fought all the way back, uh, got within two at one point, um, and at the buzzer they were down three. Jalen Sherrod, the star point guard, the freshman point guard for Colorado, threw up a three-pointer at the buzzer, like got a decent look at it. Like They had a few seconds to set something up. Uh, couldn't get it to fall. Colorado loses. UCLA hasn't lost since then. They are 18-1 this season. Oh no, they did lose. They are they are eighteen and one because they lost once since then. Um, they lost in double overtime to USC. Uh, but yeah, they're eighteen and one, ranked eighth in the country. That was a, a spectacular loss for Colorado, and honestly, that's kind of a win. To to be competitive against that team should not have happened. Remember, this Colorado team is young. They were picked dead last at the Pac-12, and they've gone toe-to-toe with UCLA then. And then Friday night, on my birthday, we were... I actually... Everybody had come over and was ready to go, and I was like, nope, it's my birthday. We're sitting here and watching the end of this game. And so we watched like the last quarter uh, of that uh, Colorado-Stanford game, number six Stanford, uh... I think at one point Stanford was number one. Great, great basketball program. Colorado honestly kind of blew that game. Uh, they were up 56-50, five minutes to play, uh, 59-52 with three minutes to play. Uh, things kind of got bad from there. Uh, Stanford made a run. The end of that of the end of regulation was pretty crazy. Eventually Stanford took the lead with 20 seconds left. They took a one point lead. Colorado calls a timeout. Stanford had three fouls to give. So it's foul. Wait five seconds. Foul. Wait a few seconds. Foul. Then all of a sudden the buffs are inbounding the ball with 10 seconds left down one. And we're like, Oh wow, this is the game right here. Can Colorado pull out a win over a top 10 ranked team on the road? The answer should always be no, but here we are. Get the ball in. Get the ball to Maya Hollingshed, and she knocks down the three-pointer. Of course, it was Jalen Sherrod with the assist. 
of course, Colorado takes a 64-62 lead, but Stanford calls a timeout. And in case you guys haven't been watching too much women's basketball, and I actually didn't realize this until this season, you can advance the ball on a timeout. And so with 1.6 seconds left, Stanford is able to advance the ball. They get the ball in the post to Ashton Prechtel. Uh, she's six foot five. She's a freshman from. Is she Colorado Springs? She's she's from somewhere in Colorado. Plays for Stanford, obviously. Um, big deal. McDonald's All American, all that. Makes the layup, ties the game up at the buzzer, and Colorado takes Stanford, Stanford to overtime, on the road. Uh, Stanford ended up winning that game in overtime. Again, I made all my friends sit on the couch. They were super into it, obviously. Like, it's all fun stuff. Like, really good basketball. But, yeah. (sighs) Disappointing. Because they should have had that game. And even in overtime, like, with a minute left, they were only down one point. Just couldn't get things going. You play the foul game. Ends up being a 76-68 loss. But, again... This team was not supposed to compete with a UCLA, with a Stanford. Was not. And they, they, they took Stanford to overtime on the road. Uh, and, then, and then they followed it up on Sunday with a good win, 62-50 over Cal. That's, those are the teams that they're supposed to be competitive with. And honestly, they're not even supposed to be competitive with them on the road. So, there you go. That's a... About as good a weekend as you could have hoped. If you had told me that Colorado was going to take Stanford to overtime, I'd be like, no, that's insane. That doesn't make any sense. Um, What a time to be following this team. And we need to be paying more attention because it does look like they're going to get an NCAA tournament appearance uh, if they just take care of business. And and that's the thing is that staying close with these great teams is incredibly valuable but you need to find the wins um you need to take care of the teams that you should be beating and that's again we've been praising this this team for doing exactly that you don't expect that from young teams you expect them to get hot and sometimes take on a a big name maybe not a top 10 team but uh then you expect them to fall apart against less talented teams they haven't been falling apart against less talented teams um Sitting at 14-5 and five with nine games remaining now. Um, it's a good spot to be in. Uh, they play some tough teams, and that starts Thursday. 6 o'clock, they host Oregon State. You know, the, Oregon State's now ranked 10th. They were ranked 3rd when Colorado went to Oregon earlier this month. And Colorado gave them a run. They ended up losing by 12, but... Late in the game, there looked like Colorado had a window. They they stuck right with them through the third quarter, I want to say, or maybe climbed back a little bit. But, but yeah, this could be a game that they surprise people and win. That's going to be a lot of fun. And I actually haven't decided if I'm going to be able to make it up to Boulder for that one because that is the Stoney's party, and I need to figure out what... I, my gym, I feel like my job is to be at the Oregon State game, but my job is also to be at Stoney's, and so this is one of those things where it's like, figuring out what what is the company emphasis? Um, but yeah, Thursday night, that's going to be a blast. 6 o'clock, uh, play Oregon State. And then, on Saturday, they play 
number three, Oregon at two o'clock. Uh, Oregon still for my money, the best women's team in college basketball. It's, it's, I mean, they, they've lost a couple of games and that's why they aren't number one. Um, and they've lost games that they shouldn't have lost too. Uh, and, and, and that in particular hurts, but in terms of just like looking at the team and being like, which team is the best? Oregon is the answer. Oregon's the answer. They have Sabrina Ionescu, the best women's college player of all time, um, who who is also very close with Kobe and even more close with Gianna. Um, so you also have that storyline going on on this side of things as well. Um, she she was playing. I think they played Sunday. She was in the post game interview and. It was tough to watch, like so much of this has been, but uh, she was very obviously struggling with it emotionally. Where she's at on Saturday, who knows? But uh, that's, again, just throwing some variation into what we expect. Uh, So yeah, a couple more opportunities. But then looking ahead, um, the next weekend, Colorado goes to Washington to play Washington State and Washington. And then they host Cal. Then they play number six Stanford, number 19 Arizona State, number 16 Arizona, number eight UCLA. Uh, so you, you, you have three games left against teams that aren't ranked. You have six games left against teams that are, are ranked. Um, of those six, four are in the top ten. Again, this is about taking care of business. You you gotta go into Washington and beat Washington State and Washington, which isn't easy to do. Um, and I think that they've Colorado's raised the bar, and and now we evaluate them as a a, a very good basketball team, and they've earned that. The, you gotta win those games. You gotta go beat Cal too. Uh I don't know. We'll see. So so right now, Colorado's sitting at. 43rd in the uh, RPI. 64 teams make the NCAA tournament uh, in the women's side as well. 32 of those are conference champions. 32 of those are at-large bids. So at 43, that means if you have 11 conference champions ahead of you, and taking a quick look, you, I think that that would make some sense. Um, then you're probably in. If you have less than 11, then you're probably out. Again, there's still a ways to go, but it is time to start looking at this. And uh, that's kind of the position they're in. Um, the weird thing is that, you know, can I get an example? Ah, if, if, if there's a conference where there's one team ahead of Colorado, um, one team better than Colorado, and another team just winds up in a smaller conference beating them in the conference tournament and taking a conference title, getting their automatic bid, then all of a sudden those teams are taking uh, at-large spots instead of their conference spots, you know, Missouri Valley Conference, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, The Ivy League could be another um, for sure, where that where that happens, I'm not sure if they have a postseason tournament. I have no idea, but uh, 
that's where they sit right now. And in terms of the Pac-12, uh, they're they're right in the middle of the pack. They're the top team that isn't ranked. Um, looking through these rankings, you have number six Stanford, number eight UCLA, number three Oregon, number sixteen Arizona, number nineteen Arizona State, number ten Oregon State, and then you have Colorado. Um, those teams ahead of Colorado range from seven and one, seven and one, seven and one, five and three, five and three, four and four, to Colorado at three and five. Um, Utah and USC also at three and five. Cal winless in conference play. So, again, they were picked to finish dead last in the Pac-12. So sitting at seventh is a great spot. Uh, when you remember that they gave two of the, I, I mean two of the three teams sitting at seven and one right now tied for the conference lead, they gave two of those teams a run for their money. They they were a, a, a three pointer away from going to overtime against one of them they were one point away in regulation one stop with 1.6 seconds left uh from from beating another so that's great but again what that's great for is telling all of us that they can compete at that level um, that, that they are on the right track, that they're going to be fun to watch going forward for the rest of this season into next season when they only lose one senior. Uh, but being close in games doesn't do anything for the standings. And given where Colorado's at, if they can beat one of these uh, ranked teams, then that's very good. Uh, but, but mostly it's about taking care of business. They're going to have a couple of opportunities this weekend to do something special and... That's going to be a lot of fun. So much fun. Um, before we move along, I would like to tell you all about, pulling it up, Green Mountain Dental. We haven't done this in a while. Uh, as you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty important. Our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Care toothbrush when you schedule cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You have to simply take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. Check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. Okay. Um, we do have a comment that I've been meaning to get to, uh, but it's been a weird time. Uh, this is from Thursday, maybe? Something like that. When Silverbuff said, after scoring at least seven in the last two games, it's time to welcome welcome Walton back. I thought his loss last season was a big blow to the Buffs. Others disagreed. I guess we'll see soon enough if he has any game-changing impacts in February or March. Montez's senior bowl performance looked like the Montez we all know. Oh, we can get into Montez after real quick. Um, yeah, Dallas Walton, I think he's back. He thinks he's back. Uh, he, he thought this timeline is what he expected uh, how long did i talk to him i'm actually not sure uh gone for like eight minutes which is a long time to talk about somebody's knee so i feel like i have some insights uh, including the important stuff like he can feel the cold in it he knows if the weather's bad um I don't know. It's a weird thing. He does say that he's starting to trust it more. He says he feels like he's getting the lateral movements back, which is what has been really important. Um, he is going to finish this season in the brace. Then next next October, November, 
he's going to be able to take it off. The 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 surgeon or doctor, somebody uh, told him that he has to wear it for that full year. Um, I think it was a year. The point is October, November is the timeline for him getting it off. A year wouldn't make sense. Uh, for getting it off, being able to go back to playing braceless. He says it does feel like it holds him back. It does, you know, limit the range of movement, makes it tougher to move in general. Uh, and it gets frustrating, but it's just kind of part of his life for now. So even just taking that off could give him a little bit more juice on top of everything. I mean, the biggest takeaway from spending some time with him, he's just really happy. You know, he he doesn't seem frustrated. And I, I do wish that I had talked to him at some point, you know, two months ago because it does make sense for him to be a little bit happier right now when things are going so well. But he, he says he feels like he's back that he's ready to go. Um, you know, Tad did say yesterday that he's going to be used kind of on a situational basis. Uh, USC, for example, being one of those situations. I, 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 it, it makes sense. Um, and, and the way that you use him now makes sense. It's tough to play two bigs against smaller teams. Uh, but against big teams like USC, sure. Put, put him out on the court. Let him fight with their big guys and see how it goes. I do like to see, I don't know, I worry about being the team that is responding to what the other team does instead of dictating the game. Uh, you know, when when somebody goes small, throw Dallas Walton at him and say, yeah, he might struggle to defend the perimeter, but we're, we're going to be able to s- stop you in the paint. You're going to be stuck throwing up three-pointers, and there's nobody on your team who's going to be able to defend him on the block offensively. So he isn't there yet. He isn't that type of player where, you know, if if, if you're going up against Joel Embiid, then you don't say, okay, we got to go small because because we can shoot him off the court. You just can't do that. It's Joel Embiid. He's out there no matter what, and you're not going to stop him, and they're going to win that matchup if that's what you try to do. Dallas Walton isn't there yet, but that's kind of the next step is, you know what, he's not a situational player. He's in the rotation, night in and night out, uh, because there aren't... Like I mean, there will still be bad matchups, but there won't be prohibitive matchups. There won't be matchups where you say, "Yeah, nope." And and to be honest, if if this Buffs team were worse, if they weren't competing for Pac-12 title, if they were, you know, let's let's just even put them in the Buffs women's team's position. Even then, you might let Dallas Walton be in the rotation. Uh, there wouldn't be so many guys worthy of playing time that you're kind of stuck saying, "Hey." he might not be able to force these smaller lineups off the court, but our only option is to let him try. You know, it's, it's great that Colorado has so many different options, so many different tools, so many different approaches they can take to all these different games. But for a guy like Dallas Walton, that does mean we don't have to say you go, uh, because you have to, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I see Dallas Walton's stance right now. 
uh, with this team. Again, he does say he feels good, but there are days where he doesn't feel like himself. And um, did he bring up Kobe? I think he did bring up Kobe. I I didn't bring up Kobe, but but he did say something like, you know, that's 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 how we feel now. Like, what would Kobe do here? Like, you wake up, your knee hurts, you got to play through it, you got to grind through it, and you still have to be yourself. Um, and, and he said he's been feeling like there have been more good days than bad days recently. And that's kind of been the shift in his play. Um, more good practices mean more good games. Uh, he also said that the, both, both of these last two games this weekend where he played very well, um, those were days where his knee felt good. So I don't know. I mean, you're hoping to hear actually, no, my knee felt awful. I was at 90%. And then you're like, oh, wow, what's 100% look like? Um, but it does make sense that that's kind of like his peak performance as of that point in time. Uh, that that was kind of the best you're going to get out of him. Um, another week of rehab, another week of uh, gaining strength, all that kind of stuff. His, his peak is rising every single game. Um, but that was what it was last week. And expecting that kind of performance to be replicated every single time he sees the court, might be a bit of a stretch, but uh, definitely a good sign. Definitely everything we've seen from him has been awesome recently. Uh, there really isn't all that much that you can complain about. Uh, he's moving in the right direction. When you have a guy that big who also has that touch, ah, he, he took a picture. Somebody's daughter was there today. and I, I'm not sure she's like high school, college age, something like that. Um, Dang, I'm totally blanking. Might have been like a video guy. But but uh, they took a picture because she's not very tall and he is very tall. And I was kind of jealous. I was like, it would be so unprofessional for me to say, hey, da- Dallas, can I, can I just have a picture? But I don't know. You guys know my feelings about tall people. It's just infatuating. Just look at him. But, but yeah, good dude. Head seems to be in the right place. Uh, everything is going well. Uh, he's getting that brace off for next season, and I really think that we'll see him step things up to another level, which I'm really excited about. Okay, uh, Silver Buff also said Montez's senior bowl performance looked like the Montez we all know. Three completions and a pick. Yikes. Uh, if you guys didn't get a chance to watch, you're lucky. Um, I do think that we're going to dig into that a little bit more here soon everything's hectic this week with the beer thing and with the buffs and they're like getting out of town so i have to spend a lot of time with them early this week and then we have our goaties tomorrow so i'm not really sure exactly when we're gonna have a chance to talk i do know that um andre and i are having andrew mason on the podcast to or on the draft podcast this week to talk about Everything they saw at the Senior Bowl, they were out in Mobile all week. Um, I'm hoping that when we do that, I can snag one of those guys or both of those guys to uh, just talk about Davion Taylor and Steven Montez and what they saw out of them for like 10, 15 minutes for this podcast. Uh, Doing my best. Timing is very difficult with all the different things everybody has going on right now, though. Uh I will say that what I saw from Steven Montez, okay, here's the thing. So the way the Senior Bowl works is you obviously have the game, but you have a week of practices leading up to that. The week of practices 
are what matters the most. That's where all the scouts are. Like like Mason Andre didn't even stay for the game. They weren't interested in seeing the game, just seeing the practices. That's I mean, most most teams still have people at the games, but they have a lot of people at the practices. Um, Steven played really well in the practices. He did not play well by any means in that game. Um, and I don't mean that to like discount the negative part for him, but that's just kind of what happens. For me, I didn't really see much of him in the practices, and I've complained about the way they're broadcast, but I did see a lot of him in that game, and everything I have to say is pretty much negative. Um, honestly, like flashbacks. Honestly, flashbacks to what we saw from him this season, and you guys probably saw more of before that, but... You know, he, he he took some big sacks and it was on that thing where, you know, you have your three-step drop. Or it was a longer drop. Let's let's call it a five-step drop. He's, he's you know, standing up in the pocket, right-handed, looking that way, and then he, like, loops all the way around. And he almost takes, like, it's a massive loop where, you know, if you're dropped back in the pocket, your body is facing one sideline. It's almost like he takes, like, four steps out toward the sideline like forward and then he like makes this slow circle all the way back like toward his own end zone and then he like flips his shoulders around the other way and by then he's like 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage and it's that same rollout that we've seen over and over again and he got sacked on he might got sacked on a couple times he he took a beating that offensive line did him no favors um he's not necessarily a guy who works on timing either you know, when he's at his best, it isn't this West Coast like, hey, your slot receiver's taking five steps, cutting out, hit him there. Like like those those little routes, that's not Steven's strength. His strength is letting a, a pattern play out downfield and then finding a guy in it. Um, and, and that's a flaw. He needs to get better on the timing rounds for sure, especially in those situations where he doesn't have time to get the ball out. But, you know, you could say the same thing about Patrick Mahomes. Not a lot of timing routes there. And I'm pretty sure that was the knockout of him out of college. It's like, yeah, how's he going to function if he can't throw those? And it's like, well, because guys get open and if he has time to throw the ball or if he can create time himself, it's just fine to be that type of quarterback. There are a lot of guys who aren't built off of timing routes. Most most of like the great 90s, you know, John Elway, Brett Favre, like that type of quarterback. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, it was a terrible day for, for Steven Montez in that senior bowl. Um, Davion Taylor really didn't stand out either. Um, and I feel like I could see why, because um, I was surprised that we weren't hearing more about him. And then when we saw him, I was like, oh, yeah, because, you know, I think the first snap of the game, uh, his team is in like this nickel defense and he's essentially playing inside linebacker. He's like lined up over a guard and the other team has two tight ends on the field with the running back. Like they're going heavy and you're out there with Davion Taylor as an inside linebacker. That's a problem. Like that, that is not his strength. Uh, if if they've got four receivers, then sure, put him at inside linebacker. Otherwise, he's outside uh, slash slot. He's a hybrid type of player, and when you're installing a, a defensive scheme in one week, there just isn't room for that. Um, 
you don't you can't draw things up specifically to put him in the positions he needs to be put in to be successful uh because i mean that that's why he isn't a first round pick a second round pick that and because he isn't fully developed yet um he he isn't necessarily an every down plug and play type of guy it's going to take some creativity to put him in the situations where he belongs there wasn't enough time for that creativity whether the coaching staff had or not. And I can't remember if he was on the Bengals team or the Lions. They have like an NFL coaching staff for each team. But uh those are he he was essentially playing out of position. And he didn't look bad. It, it's not like he was getting pushed around or any of that kind of stuff, but he wasn't flying around making plays. Uh, I think he had a couple tackles like he he was a pretty average blend in. That's why I never heard the highs or the lows from him all week, I guess. Um, but again, hopefully I'll get Dre or Mace on here soon to talk about what they saw in the lead up, what their thoughts are as people who've spent a lot of time evaluating prospects who are going pro. Um, so yeah, uh, if you guys have any questions, as always, send them in in the uh, comment section for the post for today's show and we'll get to them tomorrow uh hopefully you guys will tune in for the goaties tomorrow night hopefully i'll see you thursday either in boulder or stoney's i'm torn i'm torn i gotta figure out obviously i'll be up there saturday to see sabrina but you know if this turn this could be like a key moment in this basketball program's history or you know they i mean they are playing a top 10 team anything is on the table uh it's gonna be a fun week though lots of stuff going on buffs have some you, and honestly, I'm not as excited about these Buffs games, these these men's games, because uh, they just make you nervous. These are games that they have to win. Uh, this is kind of that, that road sweep that you have to get, UCLA, USC. So many weird factors going into this trip to LA. They aren't bad basketball teams by any means. USC in particular, I mean, they, they could just beat Colorado. That That's on the table. I don't know. We'll 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 talk more over the next couple of days. But uh yeah. I'll I'll see you tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Patiently awaiting When I hit the field It's so hard to behave I'm Colorado swagging As the crowd do the wave Look into my eyes I can tell that you afraid Cause you know we finna hit ya Hit ya, hit ya You on your own now Why you watching the official? You just better hope you make it To the next whistle And we ain't playing with you You can get it anytime It started at the scrimmage We gon' win it at the line My Colorado swag in the middle
Probably get a bus with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you ever seen a ram? I'm bored Colorado. Buffalo is what I am. All the teams come and follow. When I start, hit the field. The opposing crowd swallow. Cause they know I'm about to kill. He gon' feel that tomorrow. Whole team full of warriors. Got me feeling tribal. Big 12, here we come. We ain't worried about arrival. If you want it, come and get it. We'll wait for your arrival. When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival. Why you make it, why you make it. Yeah, you better bring your Bible. Great deck, blind side, flat line, no revival. Get them bust, get them bust. Mess them up, we say we got them. If we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we have them. like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it, play. I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it, go. You know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a bust with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag. Like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag.